Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. Okay, I'm going to read John 14, 29. This is probably the second half of that message I did last week. Probably the second half. It may, it goes with uh, change. Everybody say change. Yeah, we're coming into a new time, y'all. This is what Jesus said, John 14, 29. I have told you these things before they happen, so that when they do happen, you will believe. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? Well, uh, let me just tell you this little testimony. About around 2003, uh, I got this amazing download from the Lord about God as my Father. And uh, just like the most amazing thing and... uh, you know, it wasn't even something I was going after at the time. Uh, it was something God just sovereignly life. And I didn't really know how much I needed to know God as my father. Uh, and I didn't know how much of an orphan mindset that I was walking around with uh, until that moment. Uh, and it was like God opened my eyes up to something I, didn't, I couldn't see. And uh, it was just amazing, and it was the most beautiful thing ever, and it still is the most beautiful thing ever in my life, is, is knowing and getting to know, and on a deeper way, God is my, is my Father, is my personal Father, and relating to Him like that, and knowing me, myself, uh, <clears throat> sonship, you know. And I've seen times you can never really know who you are until you really begin to know who He is, because He's our Creator, and He's the one who speaks our identity to us. And that's why there's such a war in the world today over identity. Uh, because the world wants to t- give people identity. Even, even uh, maiming children. Uh, it's just such a demonic thing. But God has an identity for everybody. God knows who you are and He wants you to know who you are. He wants to speak that into your life and on a deeper level. Uh, but at the same time, or during that time... Uh, I noticed that God began to really give me some visions and dreams about, I didn't really know it at the moment, but about things that would happen in the future. And uh, some of it was really scary stuff. I mean, it kind of shook me up. And uh, But what I've discovered is, you know, when God begins to show us something in front of us, you know, without that revelation of God as a father, and, and if, 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 this, you know, if there's perilous moments in front of us, which they are obviously living in some of that stuff now, um, we, need a, we need a father. We need a daddy that we're secure with that can walk us through those times. Okay, so I believe on this level, I believe the revelation of God as father is the primary revelation for this time in the earth that people need. Because people need a security that only comes from a father. People need an identity that only comes from a father. And people need provision that only comes from a father. So that's, and that's what a father does. If you're a dad in the house this morning, I just gave you the three keys to being successful as a father is security, identity, and provision. If you can give your children that, I've said this so many times, 
It never gets old. If you can do that for your children, you will be so successful as a parent. You, that you, will be your greatest success. Because I'll tell you this right now, there's a world out there waiting to tell them who they are. There's a terrible, and, and it's all a big lie. It's all a big lie. So I believe the, the dreams and vision of the future. I'm talking about the this morning, okay? That's what I want to talk to you about. Uh, occurring in the context of knowing God as a father. See, I believe God, I believe every one of us in this room have the ability to see into the future because that's what Jesus said. And I read that verse last week in John 16 where it says the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. It's part of is part of Christianity. It's a neglected part of Christianity. It is a, is a misunderstood, misapplied, abused, name it, but it's still a part of what God has called us to do. He's called us to be able to see the future. Okay? Are you with me so far? And we can know, and we can face the future. We can deal with the future. Part of my problem in the beginning was when God would show me things that were future. I didn't really know what they were. I didn't know what it was about, really. But then when those things would happen, I would realize, oh, my gosh, the Lord already showed me this was going to happen. So I was kind of off from a bad, you know, kind of an ignorant, you know, position. I was getting stuff from the Lord, and I knew it was the Lord. And, and when it would happen, I would know for sure it was the Lord, just what Jesus said. I told you beforehand so you'd believe, but I wasn't catching that part where he said, so you would believe. In other words, when God begins to reveal stuff to us about tomorrow, is he's doing it so we can have faith to believe in a direction. Okay, that's what it's all about, so that we would know, we, would, we can have faith that God, there's so much to this. Well, I wanted to read this this about the future. Now, this is fascinating. Now, listen to this. The Bible contains around 735 prophetic predictions about the future. And about one out of every four verses in the Bible, listen, discusses these future events. Is that crazy or not? One out of four. Of the 735 predictions, listen to this, 596 have already been fulfilled exactly as God has described them. That's amazing. 596, exactly. You want to know the future? A lot about the future, okay? Only 10 of these prophetic, only 20 of these prophetic predictions about the future events before the return of Christ have yet to be fulfilled. There's 20 things that the Bible tells us before the return of Christ that have not been fulfilled out of the over 700. Isn't that amazing? Uh, the remaining predictions relate to events that will occur, will occur after the second coming of Christ. Well, we're going to be real cool when Christ returns. So no matter what happens after, we're going to be cool. We're going to be away. The significant focus on future events in the Bible highlights their importance to God and His desire for us to be people that can see the future from his perspective, understand his heart, and act accordingly. 
the, the trauma that has happened in the world, the tragedy that's happened in the world the last several years has brought a, a negative thing into the church. It's brought fear into the church. It's brought too much of a focus on what's happening in the world in the church where all these things have too much control of our thinking, too much control of our emotions and our decisions. We are becoming, without us realizing, a people with a lack mentality, poverty mindset, because we're afraid. And we're living out of fear more than we realize. Because we're being ate up by the, by the perilous times, the negative news cycle. We're being ate up by it. We're being consumed by it. And God wants us to see something different. Even when God shows us negative things about the future, there's a purpose in it. And that was the thing I didn't really understand. I didn't really understand there was something more other than just I was just enjoying all of a sudden this ability from God, this prophetic anointing of seeing things and having visions and dreams. Well, it was fun for a while, but then I realized it was serious. I'm sure everybody in this room has had this to happen to you. This is a simple thing. It's really God trying to get your attention, though. You wake up one morning and you think about your friend uh, in Argentina. And an hour later, he sends you a video of uh, him doing an asada and said, you should, you should think about coming here. You see, that was the Lord. That's the Lord trying to tickle you. That's the Lord trying to tell you, hey, there's something I want you to know. There's something I want you to see. So I'm going to show you little simple things. Pay attention when the Lord does that. If you'll start paying attention and start drawing on that, the Lord will start showing you more. Listen to this verse here. Is everybody with me so far? Hey, I'm no longer John 15. Hey, it didn't say hey. But maybe Jesus might have said that actually. Hey, I no longer call you slaves. I could just imagine Jesus having that kind of mentality. He wasn't so religious as like people put him out to be, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. So the Lord is looking for friends to confide in. And the foundation of friendship is is the fatherhood of God. A father that we can trust, a father father that we can talk to to and tell him what's in our hearts and he can tell us what's in his heart. That, that's, that's what the foundation of friendship is. Now look over in Genesis eighteen seventeen. Are y'all okay? Well, remember old Abraham? Good old Abraham. And remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Remember that whole deal, the perversion, the homosexuality, all that stuff that was so terrible. And the Lord came down from heaven, okay, and had this conversation with Abraham about what he, he was coming. This is a strange thing. Like God didn't know what was going on down there. He knew what was going on. Okay. But he was trying to tell us something. So he comes down from heaven and he says this in verse 17. Should I hide my plan from Abraham? The Lord asked. Should I hide my plan? And so Abraham, I'm not going to read it all to you because I, that's, I just wanted to, you can read it. You should read it. So the Lord and Abraham started having this conversation about what God was going to do. And Abraham began to intercede for Solomon and Gomorrah. He began to intercede and saying, Lord, you wouldn't, you wouldn't destroy that city with 50 righteous people in it, would you? 
And he sort of went out and had this conversation. And, and Abraham really appealed to who God's, to God's heart. He appealed to who God was. Like surely the God of the universe, a just God wouldn't do such a thing. Well, it got down, I forget, maybe 10 people. And I, I think the Lord just got out of the conversation. Because I think the Lord was saying this, Abraham's going to talk me out of doing all this. If I keep this up, he is going to convince me, no, I got to get out of here. Okay? So, so here's what the Lord's been showing me recently. When the Lord begins to show us things about the future, he's inviting us in to begin to intercede about the future. He wants to change some things. Perhaps the Lord crashed down on Abraham, on Solomon and Gorn, killed, wiped Lot out with the whole bunch. You know, Lot was in there. And the Bible says, even though, even though Lot was a messed up soul, the New Testament says he was righteous. Man, you feel bad about how bad you are? They did some crazy stuff in there. Yet they were still called righteous. Well, there's this thing I believe the Lord's calling us to. He wants us to impact what's going on in the world. He really does. So he's calling us instead of just showing you, hey, there's going to be an economic collapse. Oh my gosh, the economic collapse. What are we going to do? We've got to get a bunch of food. We've got to get a bunch of water. We've got to do all these things. And the Lord said, well, maybe you can do all that, but that's not really why I'm telling you this. It's what Jesus said. I told you this so you could have faith. And perhaps you could start talking to God about, well, maybe we shouldn't do an economic collapse, Lord. Maybe we should do something different. So I, I wrote, I'm going to read these to you. Okay, I wrote down these four things because God's calling us to be intercessors. He really is. Every one of you, if you're a prophetic, if you're a prophetic person, you're an intercessing person because a prophetic person is to intercede. A, a prophetic person stand in the gap for what God's showing them and declare it. Mary was right. We need to start declaring it. The Lord, Lord, save the United States of America. Well, here's, here's, if you read that whole story, effective prayer starts with God. It's about His will and intentions, not ours. Now, that's really what the church needs to do. That's how we pray in Jesus' name. We discovered the will of God, the heart of God, and we pray in that direction. That's really what was going on with Abraham. The Lord was revealing His intention to Abraham, so Abraham would begin to pray about what God was going to do. Are y'all with me? You're looking blankly at me. Humility and knowing our place are essential as we speak to God, who happens to be the creator of everything, the ruler of everything. He's in charge of everything. And if you read that story, you'll see Abraham was very humble with the Lord. Abraham wasn't aggressive with the Lord. Abraham wasn't demanding with the Lord. Abraham wasn't saying, I got this faith, therefore you had to do it. He didn't do any of that. He was humble with the Lord. He had a humility operating on him. And because he had that, the Lord listened to him. Because the Bible says God's near the humble. Right? And the third thing was, when it comes to uh, God's gracious nature, knowing the Father's heart, we can be very bold with that. Just like Abraham was. I think one of the verses says, Far be it from, from, from the Lord to do such a thing. Because he knew the heart of the Lord. Are y'all with me on this? When we begin to know the Father's heart, we can, really, we can really have some effective prayer. We can really be bold in certain things to see God really move. And the last one was be persistent until an answer is received. 
And the Lord wants us to exercise faith and not be overcome with fear. If I could just stop right there, I would just finish and say that because we have to quit being overcome with fear that's being prophesied to us every day through the media. And, and, and are you hearing what I'm telling you? Because you will never bear to navigate the world that we're, going, that we're walking into if you're, if you're overcome with fear. If all your decisions that you're making are based on fear and not faith. And the Lord wants to do something about the future. The Lord wants to do something about our country and about the countries in the world. Listen, I'm all about the nations. I love the, I love what they're talking about and what everybody else is talking to me about constantly about different things. Nations, I'm into that. I'm also into North Carolina. I'm also into Mount Ola. Don't move there. There's no room out there for you. Stay, you know, stay in Iredale. Yeah, it is nice. That's where God's at, y'all, by the way. If you want to find God, just come on drive down. The you can drive out and visit and leave. It really is there. What is it? Faith, family, and farms. That's what's on the sign in Mount Ola. Faith, family, and farms. That's the three values of that community. Isn't that beautiful? That should be, that should be the, the values of every community. Mm-mm. I'm going to read another verse here. You know, I was thinking about uh, happy versus joy. Anybody ever think about those two different things? Happy's more circumstantial, right? Type stances. But you know, the Bible declares that God wants us to be happy. Have you ever read the Beatitudes? You know, those Beatitudes all say, blessed is this, blessed is that. You know what that word blessed means? It means happy. So don't fall into the trap of not being happy. God wants you happy. He really does. Or he wouldn't have had the Beatitudes. Well, I'm going to read 2 Thessalonians three sixteen through 17. And uh, I was thinking about, uh, and the reason I'm reading this is about hope. Okay, because hope, hope is future, right? Hope, that's where hope is. It's in the future. Yes, hope is basically saying there's something better in front of me. That's what hope is really saying. There's, there's something better in front of me. My future is better than my now. My future is better than my yesterday. That's hope. And that's why the, the, hope is one of the eternal values of God that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. So I, I actually, uh, some Angel uh, Whitlow shared this verse with me. Because I was thinking about Angel, if you don't know her, she went through this tragedy years ago. And the thing that got her through it was a re- she has a reaction of hope. I mean, she carries hope in her heart. And it's what got her through the worst absolute tragic thing that could ever happen to a woman in a family. It got her through it. And to this day, it, it burns in her. And, and I was thinking about hope, and I thanked her for all the hope that she gave me when she went through hell in her life, and then she kept going, and she found God in it, and she found redemption, okay? And I was saying, thank you for all the hope, because you gave me hope by being a hopeful person. And she gave me this scripture. It's from the Passion Translation. Uh, It says, now may the Lord Jesus Christ, Father God, who loved us, and in his wonderful grace gave us eternal comfort and beautiful hope. Isn't that amazing? Beautiful hope. Listen, that cannot fail. 
Your future can't fail in the Lord. The Lord has a hope for you that is, will not fail. It just keeps going and it keeps giving. Encourage your hearts and inspire you with strength to always do and speak what is good and beautiful in His eyes. Now listen to this. This is really the truth. There's people that don't believe this, but they don't believe the Bible. In the natural, your past has a lot of influence over you, good or bad, right? If a person goes through trauma in their past, it affects them in the presence, which affects their future. It affects their outlook on the future, right? Also, a positive thing, if a person went to, to school and got a degree of some type, and they graduated, that past would actually help their future, to help them get a job, help them be promoted because they have a degree. So it can be a positive thing. But spiritually, the future is meant to impact us more than our past. The future is meant to impact how we live in the present. That's spiritually. That's why there's, there's hope. It's supposed to affect our decisions, our choices. So when we look at our future, it's going to impact how we feel right now. It's going to impact our thinking right now. And what God wants us to do, I always give this illustration. It's like driving a car. You don't drive your car with your face in the rearview mirror. You glance at it, right? You're looking ahead. There's a stop sign down there. I've got to slow down because when I get there, I need to stop. So you're making decisions in the presence that's going to affect your near future. That's how our spiritual life works. God wants us to see the future so we can begin to make decisions and choices of the day that when we walk into that future, we're there. We're good. Does that make sense? And so that's how God designed us to live. And that's why the devil just harasses people about their past so much and, and tries to wreck us where we, where we live out of the uh, Research, I'm reading this now. I got this out of a... Out of a uh, this is science, okay? Research over the past decade shows that having hope, listen to this, builds our resilience. Resil- say it for me. Resilience. The ability to get through tough times. Okay. No. Mm-mm. The, the ability to get through tough times and recover more quickly from setbacks. That's what hope does. This is science. This is not spiritual even. These are, these are psychologists and psychiatrists saying this about hope. It helps you get through tough times and recover more quickly when you do have a setback. Hope can help ward off or reduce anxiety, trauma, and depression. All right, studies show that hope, these, these are some attributes of, of hopeful people. They are more likely to attain their goals. They do better academically. They choose healthier lifestyle habits. Oh, I know somebody, I was talking to them one time about the way they, were, they were, had a certain habit. I said, that's going to kill you. Well, i got to die of something. Right? See, that's a bad, that's not a hopeful thought. In other words, if you're doing something bad for your body, well, i got a good future. I need to quit doing that so I can live my good. Uh, it, uh, hopeful people cope with and, and recover better from illness. Isn't that powerful? Hopeful people experience higher life satisfaction. So many believers right now seem down, seem off because they're scared and they're living out of fear. 
They're living out of want. They're living out of lack. They don't really have hope working in their life. They have very little hope. Their hope is, well, I'll get to heaven one day. But that's not the only hope. They have a stronger sense of meaning and purpose. That's a stronger hope gives us a stronger sense. They, like, this is like science stuff. This, but it's all in the Bible because in 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, the Bible says we have a helmet of what? Hope. A helmet of hope that protects our thoughts, protects our emotions, protects our mental attitude. That's what hope does for us. Am I getting through to anybody, y'all? You know, this is what God wants to impart to you. He wants to get you back to being who you're supposed to be. All right, let me read one more verse here. Yeah? Hope's one of those words that's kind of been hijacked. Like, I hope that I don't have to have a root canal. You know? And it has a, sometimes a gloomy thing about it. But in the Bible, the Greek word is elpis, E-L-P-I-S. And it means joyful anticipation. That's good. Joyful anticipation. Okay, Proverbs thirteen twelve. Everybody knows this one. Hope deferred does what? Makes the heart sick. And it really does. It is really true. And a lot of people have gotten sick. And there's a lot of, been a lot of heart sickness in people because their hopes were dashed. They, they got into disappointment. They got into dis- discouragement. The thing they thought was going to happen didn't happen. The thing they thought God was going to do, God didn't do. Is that not the truth for all of us at some point in our life? Everybody in this room, if you've walked with God very long, you're, you're going to experience some hope deferred. You really are. It's going to bust you too if you're not careful. And you can get into a place where you're living into that, into that heart sickness. Where that you camp out there. And that becomes your home house there. And that heart sickness. And you live your life. And you quit being who you are. You quit being what God's called you to do. And you just kind of go through the motions of life. Am I talking to anybody? I'm telling you. I know. I've done that. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Well, one morning, I was reflecting on my unfulfilled dreams. Anybody ever done that? I was thinking about all the things that God didn't do in my life that I thought He was going to do. All the things I had hoped for and believed for. I was just... Thinking about all that and trying to, trying to get some meaning, trying to get some, you know, trying to get a grid in my life. What does, what does all this mean, Lord? What is this about my, where's my faith at? Because it seems like my faith is not working because my hope was broken and you can't have faith without hope, right? Faith is a substance of things hoped for. And the Lord spoke to me. This is what he told me. This, this is what I heard come into my mind as I was reflecting. The Bible offers no hope at all. I thought immediately, that is not the Lord. <laughs> That's the devil talking to me. That's what I thought. But then, and there was this little strange pause there, because I think the Lord was messing with me. And this is what he said, outside the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible offers no hope at all 
outside the person of Jesus Christ. And if I have learned one thing over the past couple of years in my life is how to get into hope, it's through the person of Christ. Is make more in my life that I make Christ the center of my life. As I've made Christ the center of my life, Christ has brought hope into me. There's a, a, a great hymn. This is, y'all know it probably if you've been around. Well, if you grew up in churches that sang hymns. I didn't do that. I went to church. They sang hymns, but I never listened to them. I went, I went deaf when I was in the church. My parents would carry me to church, and I'd go deaf for an hour and a half. Like, I, I don't know what they said. All I know is it took forever for them to say it. And it took forever for them to sing them doggone three hymns, you know. And I got tired of them telling me to stand up and sit down. That was sort of how I got it. But, you know, the Lord's sneaky. He slides stuff in on you while you're deaf and this is, some, this is one of the lines, you'll know it. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Listen, I dare not trust this frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. There, that's, there's power in that, y'all. There's a lot of power in that. Listen, when darkness veils his lovely face... And that's going to happen in this world. His face will be veiled at times from you. I'll rest on his unchanging grace. That person who wrote this knew something. They knew something. They knew when hard times hit and God seemed far away and God seemed indifferent and God didn't seem like he cared. God didn't seem like he told the truth to you. You just lean on His unchanging grace. You just trust Him. In every high and stormy day, my anchor holds. Mm. You know what the anchor is? It's hope. It's what holds us there. Holds within the veil. It holds. You know, it's a big deal for people who do sailboats when they go into a place and spend a night in a cove or something. The, The anchoring of it. Is a big deal because the winds can change at night and the, and the boat can, can be blown into another boat or the shore. So they're real peculiar about where they put their anchor. You see, that's really where God wants us to think about where we've put our anchor. Have you anchored your hope in this world? Have you anchored your hope in your Bible knowledge? I hope somebody in this room thinks they have because I want to tell you something. You've made a big mistake because your Bible knowledge is not going to measure up. We think we know stuff. We think we know the Bible, but we really don't. We think we understand what God says in the Word. We really don't. We don't know what we don't know. See, that's why we had to anchor in this person who is the Word. And there's a big difference. There's a really big difference. We can't anchor it in a revival because revivals move. See, that's, that's one, of, one of the things I feel like I messed up in my life. Because I, I feel like God has built us for revival. We're the kind of sailboat that's going to work well in a revival. We're not the kind of sailboat that works well in not revival. 
we, okay, we're, uh, we're going to do the best we can, get the paddles out. <laughs> Start paddling away. What we need is a wind of the Spirit. Oh, all of a sudden, we're good, man. Look how great we are. <laughs> There's a wind of God. But even that, you can't anchor that. You've got to anchor it in the person of Jesus. If you'll anchor it in the person, I think these other things will come, come to pass. Oh, yes. Jesus embodies and fulfills all true hope. The Bible says Jesus is the desires of the nations. Ultimately, at the end of the day, he's the ultimate desire. Hope begins when we humble ourselves and surrender once again to Jesus Christ. And cast all that troubles us upon Him. That's where hope begins. Is when we go back to Him and say, these are my troubles. These are my troubling thoughts. I'm going to give them to you. And when we do that, something happens spiritually. God begins to work and hope begins to rise in our hearts again. Yes and amen. Y'all should be happy about that. Uh, Let's see. I wanted to tell you this. This is pretty cool. Um, so the other night, I was back there praying, Lord, Lord, what do you want to do? You know, well, you know what you do when you get ready to go do something. You want to know what the Lord wants to do. And the Lord spoke to me. This is what he told me. He said, you're river life. Do river life. I thought, wow. Do river life. The light is green. Do you hear me? The light is green. You know what a green light is? Go. Go be who you are. Go be who you are. Go do what the God has put in you and do that. And if you'll do that, things are going to work out pretty good for you. Because we're in a new time. Okay, we're in a new time. So some of you might get a little messed up in the months ahead, us being river life. I'm sorry ahead of time. I'm sorry ahead of time if you get messed up. Okay, but I'm telling you right now, we're going to do who we are. River life is Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just going to tell you that right now. I'm just telling you the truth. You can have all the other stuff, you know, they can have it. I don't want it. Not what I want. It's not why God put me on this earth. He didn't put me on this earth to sit around and talk about stuff that really doesn't matter, that nobody really knows, and get all in a tizzy about it. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? And so what we have to do now is we need to come back and be who we are. You need to come back and be who you are. And you need to get all that disappointment off in you and all that fear off in you about the future. Okay? Because that's going to hold you back. And you need to start. It doesn't mean that bad things are not going to happen. We just can't let those bad things rule our lives and make our decisions. God will give us wisdom. God will give us ability to walk through it. That's what we need. And so you're only going to be successful in life at being you being who God said you are. That's how you're going to be successful. That's how things are going to work out for you. And when I say success, I mean success from God's perspective, what He says your success is.
I'm hoping somebody's getting this. I'm hoping it's sinking in. Because this is the word of the Lord for us. I'm telling you it is. I believe it is. I wouldn't be up here saying it if I didn't really believe it first. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's the truth. But he's given us love, power, and a sound mind. Or power, love, and a sound mind, I think, is the order he put them in. Power, love, and a sound mind. That's what, what we have. We have to renounce that other stuff. Amen? Okay, why don't you stand up and we'll just pray. And Yes and amen, somebody. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Hey, I love the songs we were singing this morning. Weren't they wonderful, Christ-centered songs? Songs about Jesus. He's never failed. He won't. I love that. He's never failed. He won't ever fail. There's been times in my life where I feel like the Lord failed me. Like, oh, Lord, you just failed. You didn't do what you said. And it's like, no, Byron, I didn't fail. You failed to understand what I was telling you. You didn't take time to grow up and let me. (laughs) Listen, God wants to talk to you about the future. He wants to reveal some things about the future to you. If you have hope, when he begins to reveal it to you, instead of getting scared, or instead of you can begin to talk to the Lord about the future. Some of us in this room have an anointing to shift things. I'm talking you can shift some things. Some things that have been declared that may be the truth. They may be going to happen. But you might be able to be the person that says, I don't think so. I've been talking to the Lord about it, and we've kind of got come to a place where he's, he's shifting that. I'm not in for all these people that are dying. I'm not into that. I'm thinking, no. Mm-mm. Let's, let's shift that. Let's get some mercy going. Let's get some mercy, Lord. Save some people's lives so they can go to heaven if they ain't saved. Get them, get them saved, and then maybe they should die. <laughs> no. Mm, but I want to pray for you to be able to, to really connect with the Holy Spirit and be able to see some things. It doesn't have to be big. You can start little, but it may be big. God's shown me some big things. One time the Lord showed me something about motorcycle gangs. You know, they can be pretty bad, those motorcycle gangs. I'm talking about outlaw bikers. And... And I shared it. And this person came up with me and like said, Byron, there's no way that's happening. And I said, well, 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 the Lord showed it to me, so it is going to happen. And they said, boy, you can accept that, but the Lord showed it to you for you to do something about it. That's why he showed you that. And so well, what are you going to do? Just go up and declare this bad thing? I thought, no. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and so a lot of things that you may get from the Lord about the future may not happen. You might be rejoicing they didn't because you stood up and said, Hey, Lord, would you, would you reconsider that? Can we stop that from happening? Can we stop this hurt? Can we stop this pain that's happening? That's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to shift our mindset to a mindset of hope for the future instead of fear for the future. And if you allow the Lord to do that, then you won't fall into the prey of being afraid and just 
you know, things are going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. There's a few things in the Bible, I will admit, that's going to happen because it's in the Bible, right? Some things are set in stone, right? I always say, hey, is this the book of Revelation yet, Lord? Is this supposed to happen? Mm, I don't think it is. Then it doesn't have to. So, Father, we just ask you today, Lord, that you would begin to give your people downloads what the Holy Spirit said, that you would show them things to come. And I'm asking you to do that for us, little or big, about ourselves, about our families, about our situation, about our nation. Lord, you begin to reveal things to come to us and that we would have that intercessor heart like, like Abraham had, the father of faith, where he began to speak something different than what he was being told. And so we ask you to give us that. I pray that you'd raise up a whole new crop of intercessors, Lord, that have that heart and not have that old woe is me and that old negative thing that gets on us sometimes about our Christian life, that you begin to give, make us a hopeful people, a believing people, Lord. Lord, we're asking you for that today. Lord, just get, get the people, Lord. Give us that, Lord. Let there be a new fire come into our hearts in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.